can't touch this. You better get a hype, boy, because you know you can't, you can't touch this. Ring the bell, school's back in. Break it down. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this, another episode of the Hammer Time Podcast. As always, I am your host, Paul the Hammer Harvey, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We are through the first week of the Major League Baseball season, and believe it or not, the Braves have surprised me, um, coming out with some series wins against the Phillies and the Nationals. And opened up yesterday's series against Colorado with a win. Honestly, very surprised and pleased so far. Again, it's week one. We get this is a 162 game grind. But for people out there telling me to slow my roll or temper my expectations, look, I've dealt with teams being dreadful from the start for the past, oh, I don't know, two, three, four seasons. So. You'll excuse me if I don't get excited when I actually see W's in the first week of this season. Now, I'm going to get into the Braves segment a little bit later, and as we move forward this summer, I'll try and keep you up to date with the other sports news going on, but Major League Baseball is what's near and dear to my heart, so that's what we're going to focus on for the coming future. Um, And starting off, I got three storylines from the first week that I want to talk to you about. Again, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in the first week we can talk about and digest, but this is where I want to hit, and since this is the Hammer Time Podcast, that's what you're going to get. First off, got to be honest about Shohei Otani, the two-way player that the Angels brought over from Japan. I'm very impressed with how he's looked over this first week of the season. Uh, To be honest with you, I didn't do a lot of research into him and his Japan time when the Angels made the move. I want to say he struggled a little bit in spring training, but I really just didn't pay a lot of attention to him. And wanted really just to see what he does in Major League Baseball, because while we do see a lot of Japanese players come over and do very well in Major League Baseball, um, that's not always the case. It is still a big difference for a lot of number of reasons. So I was just honestly waiting to see what he did. First week is in. And I'm very impressed. Now, here's one thing I want you to realize before we go forward and to keep in mind as you watch Otani play throughout the year. He is actually 23 years old right now. That's one thing I didn't realize. He will not turn 24 until sometime in July, I believe. So this isn't your typical um, Japanese player coming over when they're already well into their prime or maybe on the second half of their prime which is usually what happens is you'll see a lot of Japanese players, once they've had a successful career for a number of seasons, come over into Major League Baseball. This is a bit different in that Otani is still very young, um, and he has honestly been phenomenal through the first week of the season. He is hitting three eighty nine with three home runs, seven RBI, and four runs scored in his first four games as a designated hitter. And that's a great start. And his home runs are, are very nice. Um, I've seen some couple different people talking about the mechanical changes he's made at the plate. 
And from what I've seen, it does look a bit different. He used to have a high leg kick um, in Japan, and even during spring training, he was utilizing a high leg kick. On a lot of his home runs so far this season, we're seeing not much of a leg kick, really just a brief step and going straight to the plate. So some guys live off a leg kick. I don't know if why he made the change could have been the struggles, but whatever he's doing at the plate right now is looking very nice. And his addition is one thing that I pointed to as why I think the Angels, if he plays like this and what the Angels are expecting, the Angels will be in there for a lot of the season for the wild card race. Right now, they're off to a 6-2 start, hanging with the Astros out the gate, and I'll touch on them in a minute. And the other thing is Otani's pitching. I was curious. Again, I didn't do a lot of research on him. Had his first start Sunday against the A's on Easter. I was able to sit down and watch a good bit of that game. And again, I was really impressed for a 23-year-old kid coming over in a new league. There are some changes to the baseball, I believe, between uh, Japan and America. And when I say baseball, not just the game. I mean the actual makeup of the ball itself. Um, But he pitched pretty well, made it through six innings. He did give up three earned runs on a home run. Um, But other than that, he really settled in. He only allowed three hits one walk, and had six strikeouts in his debut. So to be honest with you, I was very impressed with that. Again, one game on the mound, you can't get a lot out of it. But the whole experiment itself is going to be interesting to watch. Because if Otani can give you six solid innings every five to six days, and for the rest of the time, or at least three to four days in between his starts, give you solid at bats with some power potential i mean that's a game changer that's really interesting and going to be interesting to watch moving forward and we'll also see how any other teams if they decide to take this same approach with uh two-way guys that are especially impressive in high school um austin riley a guy that the braves drafted for third base He was somebody that a lot of teams were watching in the draft trying to figure out if they wanted to take him as a pitcher or as a hitter. Now the Braves took Riley and see him as a third baseman of the future, but here's something to consider. I believe the National League in the near future will adopt the designated hitter rule, and we can debate about whether or not they should, all that good stuff. I get it. That debate's going to go on for probably until baseball ceases to exist, hopefully millions of years in the future. But anyways, um, two-way guys coming out of high school, if the National League adopts the designated hitter rule, I think you will see a number of other teams pursue this opportunity. Now, it's not going to be every kid, obviously. This is a very, very specific type of player with very specific potential that would even try this, but there's enough of them out there that other teams will consider. Moving on, talking about the Houston Astros. The defending champs, I told you last episode, they're my pick to win the World Series this year and repeat. They've done nothing to change that opinion over the first week. They're 6-2 and two right now, and the Angels are tied with them for first place in the West. Um, but there's nothing about the Astros really that should make you doubt that they're built to make the postseason, and give any team out there a run for their money. Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, 
they are definitely leading the charge. Over the first week combined, that middle of the infield has 22 hits, 5 doubles, 2 home runs, 12 RBI, and 14 runs scored. So I told you, and I've been telling a number of other people, Carlos Correa is a guy I'm watching closely this year because I think if he stays healthy, he's looking at a potential uh, MVP-type season. And I'm definitely seeing that right out of the gate. He was one of those guys that last year had an injury, missed some time. But if he can get a full year in this season, he might be right there alongside Jose Altuve and Mike Trout in the top five of MVP voting. They've started hot. And the pitching for the Astros done very well to this point. A 2.54 team ERA. And Garrett Cole, their big acquisition in the offseason from the Pirates, his debut was nothing unexpected seven innings pitched one earned run two hits and 11 strikeouts and so through the first week of the season this is the Astros rotation you've got Lance McCullers Justin Verlander Garrett Cole Dallas Keuchel and Charlie Morton that's fantastic I don't know another team out there that can throw a rotation out there top to bottom as deep and talented as that they're living up to the expectations over the first week and it's going to be interesting to see if they keep that up. Now, the other, th- the third storyline to get us started here today is manager Gabe Kapler and the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, I've written about this already over at LastWordOnBaseball.com, but it warrants another discussion. Um, you've probably seen some of the other articles out there about Kapler's start. As a Braves fan, getting to watch those first three games... It made me chuckle inside a little bit, but it was also very, very weird to watch, even as a fan of a rival team. So the Phillies, a little bit of background, just in case you don't know, uh, they went with Kapler this offseason. This is his managerial debut, but the Phillies think they can make a push for some second wild card, maybe make it into the postseason. I honestly have never been that high on where they are right now. They do have some talented position players, but I honestly think they're a lot closer to where the Braves are in the the rebuild process. The Phillies just over-exceeded expectations a little bit. But again, I'm not seeing anything from that even coming into the season, but management believes they're where they can make a push. They spent big money in the offseason to to sign Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta towards the end of spring training. So they believe they're in position to make a push. Well, if they believe they're in a position to make a push, they can't be happy with the way things started and honestly just with the perception of Gabe Kapler. So to start things off, opening day, right out of the gate, Gabe Kapler sat Oduble Herrera uh, on opening day and that's just one of those decisions where you say what are you doing Herrera is one of the Phillies best players overall over the past few seasons he's a core member of their group and he's not the kind of player you sit on opening day unless he's injured we've received no indication that that was the case I believe he even expressed you know disappointment that he wasn't out there and it really was just a dude, what are you doing type of look. Um, So from the get-go, he sat Herrera on opening day. Then, to make matters worse, 
During the opening game, he pulled starting pitcher Aaron Nola after 68 pitches. He pulled him after he gave up a hit, uh, I believe, in the sixth, had one out, and Freddie Freeman was coming to the plate. I get Freeman's coming to the plate, but he was cruising to that point, Nola was, and I get all the analytics about third time through the order. I get why that sometimes looks like the right decision, but it didn't work out. That's all you can say there to it. And sometimes you make the right decision through and through, and it doesn't work out, but this is one time where Nola had not labored at all in his start. He still probably had plenty of life left. And if my mind serves me right, I want to say there was one out in the inning. So why don't you even just put Freddie on first, which they did plenty of times over the first three games, set up the double play, and move on. Well, he pulls Nola, and the next pitcher, I want to say it was Obi Milner, gave up a home run directly to Freddie Freeman. That jump-started the Braves' offense. They came back from a 5-0 deficit one opening day. That in itself was one thing. Okay, it's opening day jitters. Move past it. Kepler continued to just blow through the bullpen. There was this really weird review scenario in Game 2 that drug on for longer than it needed to. Um, And then in the third game, he even pulled pitcher... uh, I want to say it was Velasquez was a starter. He pulled him in the third inning because the Braves were just doing work once again. You know, no big deal. And lo and behold, he looks to the bullpen and, oh, wait. Yeah, the manager is supposed to get a reliever warming up in the bullpen to come into the game when you remove the starter. It's a key thing to have going on. Uh, Kapler didn't have a reliever warming up. And so that whole situation honestly led to Brian Snicker getting ejected. Whether the umpires made the correct call or not, I won't weigh in on that, but it seems weird that MLB wants to improve pace of play. Gabe Kapler (coughs) did not have anybody warming up, slowed the game down, and the team that, in effect, received any sort of punishment was Snicker, because he went out, argued, got ejected. Yeah, When you make a big deal like that, you probably should get ejected. But it was good to see that MLB sent a letter of warning to the Phillies saying, hey, you know, get your stuff together. You can't be doing this. So if you're a Phillies fan, I don't know what you've seen from the first week of the season to encourage you or to hang your hat on. It's not looking good. And with him in the manager seat, you're in for a very interesting ride in 2018. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to jump into our Braves segment of this episode, and I'm going to talk to you about Preston Tucker, very surprising hot start from him, Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson, and the offense, and then pitching, which is honestly off to a very interesting start. But enjoy this break, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Hey, hey, they can't touch me, hammer time. Bed 
time, watch me kill the same fat time. Fat time, we gon' spill the same fat time. I say, MC Hammer, out the slammer, I say, free for real. Feel my town around, through the line of Jesus, took the wheel. I can't keep the truth inside of me, I gotta squeal. Self on trust and God, just cut the world's a dollar bill. Oh man, he gon' tuck that down to seal the deal. Y'all play, sorry, I can't understand the word that y'all say. Moves, never heard of small plans. Uh-uh. I just want some makers. I come from a small land. Not for real, itty bitty. Used to be down bad boy. Now I'm up like Diddy. Got a new wave and we surfing through the city. Crazy walking with me, shining bright. We got it lit like sheesh. Out the dark pound, we done made it off the leash. Making sure the people comprehend like a peach. Young Georgia boy coming straight up out the east. Grinding cause my family got a piece. They can't touch me, Hamilton. Hamilton. They can't touch me, Hamilton. Bedtime, I ain't never had a bedtime. Headline, boy, you looking at a headline. Hamilton. They can't touch me, Hamilton. Hamilton. They can't touch me, Hamilton. Bedtime, watch me kill the same bedtime. Bedtime, we gon' steal the same bedtime. And tell me who you fooling? How you calling? Flexing with the jeweler? What you doing? Yo, measure up, I met the road, the closet full of chase, boy, you never been a shooter. I don't need a change, just to prove it, boy, I'm moving, where you moving, out your mama house, off your mama couch, if we living what we talk about, you don't talk a lot, Lambo, ready, Lambo, you can say that, I took my money, built the studio, and took the range back, H-Town to Atlanta, country, Bama, MC, I'm a boy, we too legit to quit, I die, resurrect my yana, put a nail up in your coffin, my hammer, awesome, Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of the Hammer Time Podcast. As I told you before the break, this segment's going to look at the Braves and their hot start. And let me just tell you, I am very surprised um, taking a series from the Phillies. That wasn't too surprising. Uh, once Gabe Kapler made the decision to pull Aaron Nola in the middle of his hot start, really set the Braves up nicely. They did some good work against the Phillies' bullpen, which... Let's just be honest, Kapler went to time and time again, really tried to wear him down, it seemed, in the first series. Rough start for the Phillies, but the Braves will take it. Still took two out of three from the Nationals, and we'll take that anytime we can get it. Um, and one of the most interesting pieces of that start comes from outfielder Preston Tucker. Coming out of the gate, he's got a seven-game hitting streak to start the year. Um, He's been starting in left field, and we knew he was going to get a lot of the playing time while Ronald Acuna is still getting ready down in the minors. And I honestly had not high expectations for Tucker, but I I knew a little bit about his past and what he was. So for those who don't know, I believe it was two years ago, 2016, he made his debut. Played pretty well for the Astros when he debuted, Um, but 2017... If you know anything about baseball last year, the Astros were just really stinking good, and their outfield was pretty set. You had George Springer, Josh Reddick, and uh, Marwin Gonzalez, I believe, was the third guy they used a lot out there, and all of those guys played pretty well last year. Gonzalez especially was a little bit of a surprise, played great for them. So Tucker actually spent all of 2017 at AAA, and 
honestly, I think if he was with any other club, um, certainly there were a lot that could have used him. The Braves, one of them. If he was any other place last year, he probably would have seen some big league playing time. As it turned out, Braves uh, acquired him in the offseason. And you couldn't have asked for a better start for the kids. Seven-game hitting streak. He's got 10 hits, two doubles, two home runs, nine RBI, and five runs scored. Um, He had, I believe, the game-tying RBI in the eighth inning of the opening day game. Very nice piece of work hitting. Um, He had two three-run home runs in the first inning of back-to-back games against Washington. And so far, he's had two walks to just four strikeouts. And that's one thing I've noticed about this kid early on is he seems to be hard to punch out. I've seen him down in the count a couple of different times, and he just keeps battling, doesn't swing at a lot of the junk that's out of the zone, lays off some of the stuff that's close and waits for a pitch that he can still hit. So, again, it's just one week. We don't read too much into small sample sizes. We get that. But Tucker's a kid that still has some upside, and he's showing he can hit pretty well. Um, The only complaint I have, honestly, has nothing to do with Tucker, but it's the fact that the Braves and manager Brian Snicker seem to double switch him out of games really quickly. Um, They'll go to Peter Borges for defense, but very early in the games, and I'd like to see him stay in there past the sixth inning, at least into the seventh or eighth, maybe before you make that switch. But it's a very good start for him, and Moving forward, I hope the Braves will at least give him a couple of opportunities in the outfield, even once Acuna does come up. Now, I've accepted the fact Nick Marcakis is not going anywhere until this contract is done, Um, but I think it would be very prudent for the Braves to give Tucker a start for Marcakis and a start for Acuna, or Enciarte if you want to get Acuna a start in center field. Get him two starts a week even once you've got Acuna up. And just for the record, every good baseball team out there usually has four solid outfielders. So just because we've got Acuna coming up and we'll have four outfielders and somebody's going to miss out on playing time, that's not always... The immediate reaction should not always be, let's trade one of them or get rid of one of them. I understand Marcakis is playing very well early on this season, but I would have no hurt feelings if the Braves did move on from him. But having four good outfielders is the one of the best problems to have in baseball. The only better problem I can think of is having too much pitching, honestly. So if you have four solid outfielders, that's a good start, and I'm excited to see what Tucker can continue to do. The next thing we wanted to look at is Freddie Freeman, and my oh my, is he off to another fantastic start. If you remember last season, as I'm sure most of you Braves fans do, He was off to an otherworldly fantastic start before that injury. Then he got injured, came back very quickly, some argue too quickly, um, but came back last year and still played great, but not the kind of guy before the injury. So there were some questions coming into the year. Well, check out these numbers. Through seven games, Freddie has a 618 on base percentage, and that's in part to 12 walks. He's already walked 12 times this year. He's got 10 runs scored to just three strikeouts. 
And he has nine hits. Again, not a ton of hits because teams are walking him a lot. And I think that's going to be crucial that Freddie continues to take those walks. Obviously, I want Freddie to hit the ball and hit it hard when he's up there. But you've got to be able to take what pitchers are giving you. So if teams are wanting to put him on and pitch to Marcakis or Tucker or Acuna once he comes up, Freddie's just going to have to take that. Um, and being selective gets him those hits he can hit hard and hit well. So through the first week, a lot of walks. He does have nine hits through seven games. Five of his nine hits are for extra bases so far. Two home runs and three doubles. And this is the same kind of start we saw out of him in 17. So I'm very encouraged by that. Really no questions. Only concern now is that Freddie doesn't get hurt. He's kind of like Julio Jones for the Falcons, right? You know if he's out there, if he's playing, he's going to do something ridiculous and play very well. The only concern is if somebody else is going to get him injured and screw that up. Other person I want to talk to that's been a big cog in the Braves offense early on is Dansby Swanson. He's hit out of the 6th or 7th spot in the lineup a lot. And so if you can get some production from that spot in your lineup towards the bottom, you're going to be in a good spot offensively. And right now, that's what Dansby is doing. He's got 10 hits over his first 6 games played. Uh, Charlie Culberson started one game in the Washington series to give him a day off. That gives him a 370 batting average over his first six games. He already has four multi-hit games, and two of those were three-hit games. He's got six RBI, three doubles, and a triple. And last night in the Colorado game, he had three hits, a triple, a double, and a single. Only missed a homer off the cycle. I was joking with Adam Landreth this morning, called that a junior cycle or a unicycle. I don't know. Just something silly. But Dansby's playing great so far this year. One thing that's interesting about stat line, he doesn't have any walks and five strikeouts. Now, just putting this out there, strikeout a game, that's not too concerning to me. Um, the, the one thing that is a little weird is the no walks. And... It's very early, so again, we don't read too much into that, but it's curious to me. I wonder if that's one, maybe a product of his position in the lineup where teams are giving him more pitches to hit because of the guys behind him and he's kind of low in the order, Uh, or if that's something to watch as an issue moving forward if he's just not going to draw too many walks. Now, obviously, if you can hit 370 without the walks for a full season, who cares? But we know that's usually not going to be the case. Uh, Andrelton Simmons is a guy when he was in a Braves uniform was a good example of that. He wouldn't strike out a lot necessarily, but he didn't draw a lot of walks. So as your batting average starts to come back down to earth, you didn't have a ton of stuff to necessarily supplement what was going on. So right now, it's just something to keep an eye on. No walks versus five strikeouts, but... Take that aside, Dansby looks like a different guy this year. He looks like he's got something driving him, something he's trying to prove. Um, He's hitting the ball hard to all parts of the field. Ten hits, four multi-hit games in his first six of the season. He's somebody to really keep your eye on. And then finally, pitching. Let's just say I'm concerned about it. We have a team ERA right now of 3.74. That's not bad. Obviously, I don't expect the offense to keep doing what it is, but you're going to be fine if your offense does that all the time with the 374 ERA. 
the bullpen actually has been a large part of that. One guy I want to highlight because I think he's going to have a fantastic year. His name is Dan Winkler. He had a great start a couple seasons ago before an elbow injury derailed him. Through four games, he's got three and two-thirds innings pitched. He's given up two hits, a walk, and an unearned run, but he's got six strikeouts. Only other Braves reliever right now with six strikeout is Arodis Vizcaino. And Vizcaino, obviously, we know he's that fireballer type guy with a decent off-speed pitch. Winkler's not that kind of guy. I saw he hit 95, I believe, in one game. I don't know if that reading was correct at the stadium. But if it was, if Winkler can hit 95 occasionally and sit 91 to 93, he's going to be filthy. Uh, He's just got good stuff, makes a lot of guys miss and look silly. So he's one guy to keep an eye on. For our starting pitching, it's been a very mixed bag so far. Fulte was great against Washington, but iffy against Philly. We'll see how he continues over the course of the season. But again, that Washington start, I really liked what I saw. Only had a couple hiccups in his start. And what we used to have an issue, or me personally, the thing about Fulte is when he had one of those mistakes or a slip-up, he would let that snowball into a huge deal and derail what would have otherwise been a fantastic start. That didn't happen this series. He reeled it in. He also gave Bryce Harper his first strikeouts of the season, I believe. So kudos there, Fulte. Julio Tehran, um, okay, I'll admit it now, first time gone record, I'm concerned about his makeup and his pitching moving forward. Uh, last year I thought, yeah, SunTrust Park does not play to Julio's profile, but I thought he'd overcome that, figure it out. There's still plenty of time this year, I get that, but two starts in SunTrust Park and he's given up nine Nine earned runs in eight innings pitched to start 2018. Um, that's not what you're hoping for. Now, again, I still like Julio. I, I love his pitching, and he's got a good career makeup to this point. And he's still got a spot in the Braves rotation. If he can figure this SunTrust Park out, he's still got a spot in the Braves rotation um, once these young guys are ready. And the good thing about that contract he's under He's not getting paid like an ace. He's getting paid like a number three or number four pitcher in the rotation. So you don't have to try and get out from under that contract. But he's definitely got to pitch better than nine earned runs and eight innings pitched. And then the other person, Sean Newcomb, he gave up five earned runs and four walks to Washington in a season debut. Now, he did have some stuff. In the first inning, that wasn't his fault. Freddie had an error right off the gate that allowed a runner. Um, But I'm still not sold on Newcomb. And again, just one start to the season. I hope he gets it fixed and he still has legit stuff. Um, But he's going to be watched closely by a lot of fans because they don't forget it was the Andrelton Simmons trade that brought him in. So let's face it, there's a lot of pressure on Newcomb to produce because if he doesn't and Andrelton Simmons keeps producing five win seasons over at the Angels and producing, you know, the highlights and the all-time great defense that we came to know and love here in Atlanta, it's going to be rough watching Newcomb struggle if this is what continues to happen. Well, either way, the Braves are off to a hot start this season. There's a lot of awesome stuff going on in Major League Baseball. 
Obviously, there's a ton of stuff I didn't get to that's going on, so make sure you're watching your games of your favorite teams. Check up on those other teams out there. As always, you can look me up on Twitter, at HammerHarvey. Check out my writings at LastWordOnBaseball.com. I hope you all are having a good weekend. Make sure you catch some good baseball. Tell your family you love them, and God bless.